Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Dean M. Collins grew up on a farm in Kentucky, joined the Navy and became a pilot, left the Navy and became a pilot for Delta Airlines. And all through that time, he's dabbled in music for most of his life, relying on memories and nostalgia to help him craft his songs. In June of this year, he is releasing his new album, Land Where the Wishes Come True. Dean joins us for this edition of Americana Music Profiles to talk about his life and this new album. Hey, Dean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and and, and talk to some talk to your listeners. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, making the uh, cross country connection. I'm I'm in Virginia, of course, and and you're presently in California. You were telling me that um, your day gig is a pilot, and that just happens to be where you are at the moment. That's right. I always joke my side gig is as, as a commercial airline pilot, <laughs> and uh, I, I I usually play time time zone roulette. I don't know where I am or what day it is sometimes, <laughs> but I'm just I wake up in London. I'm like, uh, and then I'll text my my wife, and I'm like, uh, why did you text me at you know three in the morning? Or yeah, something? yeah, that's <laughs> funny. So how did this uh, whole music thing start for you? So it started back in. In college, I guess it really started before that. I grew up on a farm in Kentucky, and um, it was about 650 acres, so I was pretty isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom had given me a guitar, and I put it in a closet, you know, when I was like eight or nine or whatever. But at one point, we had to, um, you know, memorize a poem for school, and I knew that I could remember music, and I loved music, and mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe if I play a few notes, I can remember the poem. And then I did that, and then that kind of grew from there. So I carried a guitar everywhere until I graduated high school, went to college, started a band, and then recorded uh, my senior year for the first time in a recording studio. And I said, man, this is this is where I want to be. Hmm. That was in 87. Wow. And I've been making music against all better judgment ever since. So you um, left college, ended up in the military, right? Correct. Yeah, Desert Storm. I went through training, and Desert Shield, Desert Storm was just starting. So I rolled right over there into that. Hmm. And um, and by the time I left the States, I'd already knocked out three albums in just you know, three years. Wow. Um, I, I, my last one was with Brad Wood, who was just starting out in Chicago. Um, and uh, and then I went to Desert Shield and right into the, the war. I, I was a C-2 pilot, which is a carrier-based... Uh, platform and um, got to do that for a few years. Wow. And you were active until how long? So I was active for 10 and then in the reserves for 10. So I was, I got hired by Delta in 98. And uh, so I was kind of in both for about 10 years. I was flying for the military and the reserves and then flying for Delta as well. So those were some busy times. There were times I didn't have any days off or mm-hmm. I spent half the year overseas, you know? So it was, um, it was exciting and fun and, and challenging, but you know I was younger and it was um, just the way to do it. Did you keep up with your music while you were involved in that? So that was challenging. Like I said, right before I left, I recorded. Um, I did a I did some music with another friend uh, in the military, and that was uh, so the F14 Tomcats had a big uh, 
event, a gala every year. So they picked us to do the music for that. So that was kind of, a, you know, more of a hard rock kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, cliche, but it was fun. And they, you know, all the F-14 guys loved it. So that's floating around out there. I would do little things here or there. I think I did a, a little, um, uh, like a three song, uh, you know, VP back in like 95 or 96. But I could, I didn't do a whole album from that 1990 until I think I recorded a whole album again in 2012. Hmm. So I had a long, long period off. So the music, so you're, you're back into music. I'm assuming as full time as you can be given the present circumstances. Um, Right. So what does that look like for you when you get a chance to play? Do you have a, uh, dates? Do you do some, uh, outside of your current area kind of dates solo with a band? What does that look like? So I'm, I'm kind of unusual in that I'm the only person in this group of musicians that doesn't really play live. My big gig this year is playing at my 40th high school reunion. Oh, wow. And it'll be me <laughs> and, and a couple locals in Bardstown, Kentucky. We're going to put something together. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, my, my drummer's out with Joe Satriani right now. My, you know, obviously, uh, Michael Cleveland is, uh, he's everywhere. And, and uh, Justin Moses and uh, Sierra Hall are out doing their thing. So um, everyone is just tearing it up out there playing live. And um, so really, I exist kind of as a studio band. I see. And, okay. Um, because I'm already gone, you know, 14, 15 days a month, um, you know, everyone says, oh, aren't you, don't you want to take this out live? like no i uh i said i have been on a world tour since 1987 and uh you know i've i've been doing the the buses and the hotels and everything and uh the the idea of more of that um you know i i sure love my family so much yeah yeah so that so i i'm making peace with uh doing my work in the studio maybe a few you know uh, cats and dogs here and there i might do like you know some live things but not not too much um i'm just thrilled to work with these incredible musicians and i would never expect them to take such a huge pay cut to work with <laughs> with me as a uh, you know kind of up-and-comer who doesn't tour a lot so we were talking earlier before we um went live the the new album land where the wishes come true that's the one that you're referring to um and Correct. you were telling me about some of the folks that that you've gotten to play with you on this. Um, tell our audience who, who some of your uh, band members are. So the, the, um, the, the musicians who play on this thing are phenomenal and, but they're very from very diverse backgrounds. And I was, I kind of joked that, that this is really an improbable band because um, uh, I'm, I'm good friends with Kenny Aronoff who played with Mellencamp. And, you know, says he's the loudest drummer in show business. And I've taken off my hearing protection. He may be right. Oh, my gosh, he's loud. <laughs> uh, so so he plays the drums and percussion. And then James Lomenzo from Megadeth, a bass monster. Yeah. Um, he plays the bass. That's crazy. Yet you have Michael Cleveland and Justin Moses adding the bluegrass instruments. Um, we have Smokin' Brett Resnick from, uh, who played with uh, Casey Musgraves. Yeah. Mike. Um, my keyboard player, Ty Bailey, uh, he played with Katy Perry for years, was wow. her keyboard player, musical director. Wow. And, um, and then uh, Doug Pettibone, who plays with Lucinda Williams, uh, he's on a couple tracks uh, helping out on rhythm. 
uh, guitar. He had beautiful guitars, by the way. <laughs> I had such guitar <laughs> indie. Um, but but it's an improbable mix of these people. And um, you know, uh, Jimmy Zavala, who was in Tom Petty's band, he was in uh, Rod Stewart's band. He throws some harmonica down on a couple tunes. But it really didn't make sense on paper. And if anyone said, "Well, now you're going to alienate potentially two audiences," you'll you'll alienate country, you'll alienate Americana, maybe bluegrass too, because you know you've got this smash mouth Americana country with bluegrass mm-hmm. elements. <laughs> so it, it was kind of improbable, but I, I think it kind of works. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so uh, you know, it's kind of its own genre. So did, did you go after those guys, or, or were they the ones that were kind of available at the moment when you needed a particular musician? It's kind of a, so it's like one, there were a few good things that came out of the COVID lockdowns and so forth. One of them was that I had, I had worked with Kenny and Aronoff before. We'd already done one album together, and we loved to make music together. Um, but we were scheduled to start recording right when the lockdown hit, mm-hmm. so we to push it until we could record in California again because they open businesses. And um, so that gave me a little more time to kind of put it together. And then I thought, well, all these guys are staying home now. And um, and I had already worked with Smoke and Brett Resnick, but I started saying, hey, we're doing this album. And I cold wrote uh, Michael Cleveland an email. Uh, now, I grew up in Bardstown, Kentucky, and, you know, I'd heard of this kid going around to all these festivals yeah. and just all he did was, I want to jam, I want to jam. And I saw him a few times, and then I saw him probably, he was still probably not quite 20, and I saw him at our courthouse in Bardstown, Kentucky. And, and like anyone who sees him for the first time, I was gobsmacked. He gets up on stage, and it's like, oh, my God, yeah. where's this coming from? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I just cold wrote him. I said, hey, and I kind of told him that story. And he said, well, let me hear what you got, you know, so – um, that's how that started. And then when he said, yes, I was just, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, one of the greatest living fiddle players is playing on my album. <laughs> yeah, so, that's amazing. So I had reached out to Chris Thiele, um, his people, and uh, that was like a moonshot. Of course, he was so busy, he, he couldn't do anything. But I told my friend uh, Craig Havakers, you know, a real champion of the Roots uh, music and, uh, you know, the IBMA and everything in, in Nashville. And he said, you know, um, I just interviewed Sierra Hall and her husband. I, you know, why don't you reach out to them? And uh, and so I did. And they were locked down as well. And so she said she was kind of busy, but you know, he would he would do it. So um, so it just kind of built like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and Kenny had introduced me to James Lomenzo, who was in he. They were both playing for Fogarty at the time. And Kenny had said, I know this sounds crazy, but um, you know, my buddy James uh, really liked the tunes. He said it's in his wheelhouse, and he'd love to work on these songs with you. Wow, and uh, that's was, cool. And and when I met him, it was funny because he's like, "All right, I know what you're thinking," because <laughs> <laughs> all it is black and sunglasses and stuff. But he's like, "This stuff is my wheelhouse, and I and I just love it." He said, "I'll show you my playlist," you know. And we were reaching for like, even though it's an Americana, you know, it's country bluegrass. Um, there were definitely some Laurel Canyon, 1970s America, and oh, Eagles yeah. in there. Yeah. And so he, he was really drawn to that. Yeah. So, so that's how he got in there. And then um, Kenny had also introduced me to um, Ty Bailey at, after some event. He had just gotten off his retainer, or whatever you call it, with, um, with Katy Perry. 
And, uh, and he said, hey, my, my wife works for Delta. She's a flight attendant. I'm like, wow, what a small world. And, and Kenny said, this guy's phenomenal on the Hammond. And I love the B3. So, mm-hmm. like, okay, done. So it all just kind of happened organically. And, um, and I guess COVID lockdown kind of made this possible because suddenly these guys had a lot of free time on their hands. Yeah. Um, now, the downside is, you know, as I, I joked to my drummer about this, I said, uh, you know, you did the Lonesome Jubilee in um, 1987. So now we're doing the Lonesome Jamboree because we all have to do it isolated because we still couldn't travel and mm-hmm, all that. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of isolated playing. Uh, there was isolated playing going on, which also is not a big bluegrass thing. Um, however, I will say that on Michael Cleveland's new album, it came out that his first song, I think it's Contact, he does with Bela Fleck. They actually did that remotely as well. Hmm. So um, so anyway, that was kind of, we were forced into it, um, but it, it opened this opportunity up to work with these in, incredible people. Yeah. And I, I'm just over the moon to have worked with these, you know, these people I've admired for so long, these legends. And uh, it just, you know, <laughs> I just pinch myself sometimes. Yeah. Well, you definitely, um, it's it's kind of one of those all-star bands that, um, kind of like you said, you could have never put it together uh, at any other time in the world, probably, uh, except, no. except during that season. And and you, you hit the feel on the 70s, uh, a couple tracks, uh, one of them in particular, I think uh, that's all. I, I, I felt, oh, yeah. I felt very, the, the Eagles. Um, yes. You know, some of that early 70s Eagles was like, man, this is just, uh, you know, fits right in that genre perfectly. So you definitely uh, you definitely got that uh, lined up in that song. But others, I heard it as well. Um, so that that's cool. Did, did you give the band a name? No, I just kept my name because I wasn't sure if they'd ever say yes again. <laughs> you know, so right now it's you know Kenny and I joke that we're just two guys in the garage cranking out great tunes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then whoever wants to to climb, you know, jump on board, you know, hop in the truck, and we'll we'll make some yeah. tunes. Um, well, it's so, the band. But, it's the band that never toured. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Um, so it, anyway, and then I just called it my name. Now, I have to say, some people said, why are that so pretentious to call yourself Dean M. Collins? And I, the whole reason I did that years ago, my mom went on online trying to find my music, and she found Dean Collins. And yeah. she called me, and she said, you know, I, I like your older stuff better. The, your new stuff isn't very good. I, don't, I, I wouldn't keep doing that. And she had found someone totally different. Okay. <laughs> and, and so I said, oh, gosh, well, so then I put the M in there just to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. That she knew it was me, so that's that's kind of how I yeah. did that. Wow. You know, it, it's it's funny you mentioned the the Amer the um, Eagles influence. The the engineer I worked with in in Kenny's studio, um, uh, he actually worked with Glenn Fry when he first moved to ah. Los Angeles on his demo tracks. Hmm. So he would tell me these stories, and um, uh, this is Dave Jenkins I worked with. And he would tell me stories about how to Glenn the demos were king. And he told me about sessions where he's doing the demos that became huge Eagles hits. Hmm. So I thought that was amazing to get to work with him because I got to hear these stories about the whole songwriting process, mm-hmm. how some things on the demo he liked so much that he used those tracks, you know, 
in the actual recording because they could he couldn't he said demo is king i want to hear you know i want it to you know be a feel like this demo so it's funny you mentioned that and i had a big weight on my shoulders because i was the only one doing the vocals by myself mm -hmm. <clears throat> so i studied america i studied the eagles because to me their vocal their harmonies yeah, are yeah. just peerless so i don't know if i hit the mark but that's what i studied especially on that song mm. and really tried to dial that in and uh you know the the band was was all on board with it yeah well it definitely came through for sure um, the songs that are on this album, did you write them for the record specifically, or were they songs that you had collected for a while while you were thinking about putting this together? You know, most of them I had written for this. Okay. Um, I, I just finished in 2019 in June. I released an album that was more rock, it, but it had the it had fiddle, it had mandolin and, on songs, it had the elements that were leading me towards this, mm -hmm. but. I, yet to fully embrace Americana bluegrass. I'd, I'd yet to embrace my roots, and uh, but it was leading me in that direction. And then when I started writing songs, then I started coming up with the concept. Mm. And I worked pretty closely in the beginning with Craig Habakers from, from Nashville when I, I told him this crazy idea I had, and we kind of thought it through. So it was very intentional. It was a concept album like they used to make. However, there were a couple tunes that I had recorded before that I wasn't completely happy with, you know, more like demos or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I did add those to the mix. Um, and there were songs I'd written a long time ago. Like that's all I wrote in probably 1988. Mm, I think okay. it's okay. sat in my songbook. Yeah. Okay. So that wasn't written specifically for the album, but it fit in with where I wanted to go. And I was listening to Jim Croce also in a lot of the Laurel Canyon stuff with the birds and Crosby, Stills, Nash, Buffalo, Springfield, um, as I was coming up with this to try to, to have that in there as well. But, um, yeah, I did have the very, I had the concept. Uh, and then when I wrote the song land where the wishes come true, it really kind of tied it all together for me. Um, and, and that's when it became very clear what I was trying mm -hmm. to accomplish with mm -hmm. this. Cool. Am, am I right in, in saying that this isn't actually officially out yet? Is that correct? It, yes, it's not out. So it was funny because it was out for a little bit and, um, I put it on the streaming sites, um, you know, when I first, when I finished up, you know, a couple of years ago and, uh, I rushed it out, no promo, just like I, I, I thought like, you know, Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. Well, no one came. Okay. I, I sold $50 worth of music in like a year, and mm. then I just and uh And then I went back and I, I did some remixing uh, when when uh, Dr. Music expressed interest in uh, in me working or and working together. I, I said, well, let's redo the singles. Let's, you know, let's go full 1987 Lonesome Jubilee on these drums and and just really make them pop mm -hmm. and it's cool and so the the first three singles all have all were uh new mixes since the original time i released it mm. but the actual release to, uh tomorrow the third single comes out that'll be the final single uh for now and then the album drops june 16th so okay. june 16th all 13 songs come out to uh 
to kick you in the fields and pin your ears back, hopefully. <laughs> and those will all be on the normal streaming services then at that point? Yeah, they'll, they'll be on everything. And this is kind of a cool thing. So that guy mentioned uh, Brad Wood, who I worked with in Chicago, and he had worked with some of the big acts back there after we worked together, um, including like Liz Fair and uh, Pete Yorn and Veruca Salt, uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brad is now a proponent of the Atmos, Dolby Atmos. And he's prolific, and he does beautiful work with that. Hmm. So um, I had known that Apple was really promoting spatial music because they sell AirPod Pros that can can put that effect, you know, can bring that effect to the to the listener. Right. And um, so I thought, well, why not do a couple of these mixes in Atmos and just see how that goes? So my single coming out tomorrow is also going to come out in Dolby Atmos. And um, and the fun thing about it, they've got a spatial mode where it puts you right in the middle of the mix. So mm. you can either, you know, when you turn your head, the mix moves with you, or you can do it fixed. You put your phone in front of you. And let's say you hear Michael Cleveland, you know, you hear him playing on the right side. If you turn your head to the right, he gets louder. Wow. And That's it's cool. like you're in the center of the band. Yeah. So, so it was so fun. So I got this mix, and I'm looking around the room. You know, my wife's looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm, like, smiling because now I'm focusing on the pedal steel or the the mandolin and we did some fun things that are really subtle we tried not to make it you know tacky or, or uh-huh. you know too uh, ridiculous but we have a part in a song where i wanted the mandolin and the um banjo to kind of dance together so we had the banjo doing a real slow circle around the room like it was you know spinning the uh, uh mandolin in the middle and, you know, I thought that was kind of that point in the song is kind of about the dance of marriage and uh-huh. life. Uh-huh. And so, you know, no one will ever know it probably, but it's there yeah. and it's kind of fun. So anyway, that's another exciting thing when, yeah. when those will come out as well. And you can hear the singles kind of in a, a different way. That's cool. So where can folks find find the music, uh, all the streaming services, uh, of course, a, a website perhaps that they can yes. uh, interact well, with you and, and learn more about the process? Right. So I've got a YouTube channel, uh, Dean M. Collins Music. I've got my uh, DeanMCollins.com is my uh, website. Um, you know, obviously all over the, the social media, Facebook, TikTok. Um, so that's all out there. And then Dr. Music in Germany, they have, you know, a lot of the information as well. Uh, I've got physical CDs coming out, which is pretty exciting. Um, you know, everyone goes crazy about vinyl, but, you know, really to me, the the CD has, you know, really great sound Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm excited to have some physical cds coming out as well those links are just popping up now those will be on the website and 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 social media but um those are starting to become available all over the world and uh and that's really fun for me and um and so I'm, i'm really excited about that as well yeah that's cool well, thanks, Dean. I enjoyed talking to you and, and getting to know more about how all of this works for you and, and the process of, of the, your new record, and we certainly wish you well with it. Drop it on the 16th. Again, it's called uh, Land Where the Wishes Come True. And, uh, man, I hope it I hope it just busts open for you. That, that would be fantastic. You know, there was one thing I did want to mention to you before we go, and this is something that I just learned pretty recently. Sure. Um, kind of an interesting thing that ties into the Americana rhythm. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm a big guitar fan, and I, I joke that, you know, I use a, a Gibson SJ200, 
And I joke that that should get songwriting credits because I swear sometimes some of those notes just come out on their own. And <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's really cool, these little licks. Yeah. But, but I had just learned from, from Kenny Aronoff um, what he thinks is the most important instrument for him to work with on a song. And I always thought it was bass. I didn't even know, and I'd been working with him. Well, it turns out that he had told me stories about how he record his recording process or songwriting process with Mellencamp in the days. They would sit in their little kitchen. Mellencamp would come in with a guitar, acoustic guitar, and Kenny would tap out on the table. And you know, if uh, if John kept playing, uh, kept playing, that was a good sign. That meant that whatever Kenny was doing was good. I think mm -hmm. Kenny played, you know, tap out a little louder, mm -hmm. but you know, crumbling down. A lot of the songs he told me about the the process. So I, that's when we met. He kind of told me that. And in the studio, same thing. He's got a pad of paper. He charts everything. And I've got my guitar, and it's kind of like we're doing it like that. Yeah. Um, but I just heard from him that the most important uh, instrument for him to create a song was the rhythm guitar. Interesting. And, and that was surprising. And he said, um, you know, he's listening. He can hear the hi-hat. He can hear all the things. So he locks in mm -hmm. on that. And I just realized that. And there were a couple songs that we did um, on, on this album that he said he is locked in so much to my guitar part, so I can't ever, I can't change that guitar part because that is what he's locked in on. And so that was kind of a cool revelation. I thought he'd say bass or whatever, but but it was the uh, the rhythm guitar, which I I thought was really really neat. And obviously that time that goes back to his beginnings mm -hmm. in that uh, sitting at that kitchen table in Indiana knocking those songs out mm -hmm. an acoustic guitar that he was tapping to so yeah. that kind of got into his dna so knowing him all these years i didn't even know that so that was kind of a surprising thing that i i think your listeners might be kind of yeah for kinda, sure find kinda cool yeah cool cool stories man thanks dean i enjoyed talking sure. to you man i'd love to do it again sometime same here and i i hope to be uh putting out music for a long time and uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to Maybe get some more listeners. Absolutely. Take care. All right, you too. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.